0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more
1: with Viator. So let's do those and then then get out of here. Um, We we appreciate the questions we've received and uh, some of these were from the YouTube chat that we saw earlier uh, in the chat. Uh, well, and there's also some in, in Twitter. Okay, so we're gonna try and get we're gonna try and get to uh, as many as possible. Okay, so uh, there was one from listener Eshket in the live YouTube chat, and I thought this one was pretty interesting. What are the chances of Josh Malone having a breakout season? Yeah, to me, breakout season is totally subjective, and how you want to classify that. Um, there, there are some fans, at least from the commenters I've seen on Cincy Jungle and Twitter and all of that, that think that Malone is a fringe roster guy, to me, I think he's pretty much the lock for the number four, number five receiver. Now, what does a number four or number five receiver really do in the Bengals offense? I don't know. Um, I think that where he's going to kind of make his hay in in the NFL is as a, as a deep threat guy, because he's a height, weight, speed guy, and in the red zone. And I, I look at, to me, if you remember back in 2003, for, the, from, for those of you who remember, he's kind of a Kelly Washington guy. And Kelly Washington was a guy who, you know, before Chris Henry arrived on the scene in 05 for a couple of years, he was 30 catches, 40 catches, maybe three, four touchdowns a year Um, he was more famous for his little squirrel dance. If you remember his touchdown celebration, that was always fun. And if you don't remember it, go look up Kelly Washington squirrel dance on YouTube. But uh, to me, if Malone has kind of a career like that, at least for a couple of years for the Bengals, where it still allows Ross to make big plays, AJ Green to be AJ Green, Tyler Eifert to do some things in the red zone. That's where I think, uh, I, that that would be my ideal fit for a guy like Josh Malone. I don't know about you, Scott, but that's and, and I don't know if that's even classified as a breakout season to some. Um, but he's not going to supplant John Ross. I don't think he's going to supplant Brandon LaFell. AJ Green's going to be the guy. I, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, people are if breakout means like uh, someone like Stephen Diggs or Willie Snead a few years back for this kind of. Cooper, Krupp, you know, this past year, they kind of came out of nowhere and all of a sudden it's like, man, this guy is like on pace for a thousand yards. I don't think that is him because like you said, some of the names you mentioned, I think as of right now, you know, the Bengals hierarchy is going to be Green, LaFell, you know, Boyd is going to get his shots as, you know, the third year receiver, John Ross is going to get every opportunity to prove that first round status. Those are your top four, I think right there. Malone's upside, I think this year is you know, fighting for number five. And let's say one of these guys does beat out Alex Erickson as the kicker that opens, you know, maybe 15, 20 targets or receptions this year. So you, I'd say that number five spot is a open competition. Um, I could see, you know, Josh Malone probably having an inside track for that. And then I think if he were to break out the biggest Opportunity for him would be not in 2018, but in 2019, because that's the year when I think LaFell is no longer on the team. I think this is the last year of his contract. So obviously, AJ Green's still going to be here. Uh, at that point, you know, Boyd and Ross have had their opportunities. They've established who they are or who they're not going to be. And if neither of them steps up, lafell has gone. You have, you know, you have a little window where someone can kind of step in there. I think that would be the chance where Malone could possibly you know come in and be that guy maybe be the deep guy that ross was supposed to be i think the challenge with malone is um he's never tennessee and with the Bengals last year was never a great catcher of the football i think he had caught like six out of 17 targets or something last year and and granted targets are targets are not always like perfectly catchable passes but that's still not a very good ratio (laughs) and and I think that's something that has to get improved upon if uh, you know he he is going to be considered a a guy in the future that is looked at as more than just like a a depth guy like a uh, Cody Core or James Wright were until the next six round pick came in the next year and pushed him out.
1: Yeah, and, and AJ Green's here until uh, in Cincinnati until 2019. So after 2019, uh, his contract expires, and he obviously had that huge deal where he's making essentially. $11, $12 million a year. Uh, so his contract is up. So, I mean, this may be, he may be, again, one of those developmental guys that, you know, all of a sudden, a couple of years down the road, like you said, LaFell's gone. Maybe A.J. Green is either gone or at the back end of his career and, and he signs kind of a team-friendly deal. Um, I mean, you have to understand, A.J. Green's in his eighth season, eighth season coming in here. I mean, that's pretty crazy to think about. So, um, you know, and by the time that his contract expires, he's going to be entering his 10th season. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, business decisions are to be made there, but um, I I think Malone's going to just kind of be a a role player this year. Uh, Maybe, maybe spot big play here and there. And, um, you know, uh, just given his six, three stature, he is a guy that you can use in the red zone. So we'll see there, but, uh, I, I don't know if I see like a breakout year, a, a year where he's going to supplant Brandon LaFell or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he's got big playability and he's got good size. Uh, I, I did see some other comments, just kind of a little asterisk on this on this last question here, Scott. Any thoughts on Auden Tate, the seventh round pick out of Florida State, the, another guy who's a red zone guy, big guy. Six, I think he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 220, 230, um, almost tight end-ish. Type of size, uh, you think he can do anything in terms of cracking the roster and making, uh, you know, making some plays, or is he kind of a developmental practice squad guy?
0: I'm guessing he's practice squad. Uh, I know he's a, yeah, he's a bigger body receiver. One of those guys that has the frame that you're looking for. I think they would probably still have to work on things like separation and, you know, routes and some of that kind of stuff with him. He's a guy that they can probably get on the practice squad without too much difficulty. You know, kind of given that how far he fell pretty much to the end of the draft that I think teams aren't probably are not going to use a spot on their 53 man roster to take him from the Bengals. So barring something like a Desmond Briscoe thing where, you know, another team overpays to put him on their practice squad. I'd say he's a, he should have a good chance making the Bengals practice squad if they go that route
1: yeah and he and he apparently looked good in the the rookie minicamp this last weekend so okay yeah yeah Uh, what 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 i hope doesn't hurt him is the last name tate and uh you know he's i think he's wearing number 19 as well which is just oh buddy you gotta you, you gotta you gotta know better um we did get a question on Twitter I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because it is so early but the the dude who sent it to us Carlos Andre is an awesome guy a big supporter of the program um, essentially asking the question if everything goes well previous injured guys play the whole season meaning Ross and Eifert and others I assume we're, he's asking about Super Bowl uh, very early for me to even answer this question remotely you know to me i even though preseason games mean nothing you do see some things on film there that that do bode bode well or not well for a team into the season i don't want to go into this i think this is maybe a question we readdress uh you know a couple months down the road maybe in august that sort of thing but to me this i my thing is Super Bowl, way too high up aspirations for this team right now. I mean, I want them to aim for that. I want the, that locker room to aim for that. But for me, I don't see that happening. But I am hired on them. And I, I wrote a, a post on this on Cincy Jungle kind of asking the question, like, why, why, are, why is the national media and national pundits, why are they so low on the Bengals? Um, it kind of seems like maybe it just wasn't a sexy draft class and – you know they just haven't had good seasons the past couple of years. I, I don't. I don't think we should be talking about Super Bowl yet. But I also think, I, I, you know, there there are guys that have them picking number two overall next year. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. So I don't know your your take on that, Scott.
0: It's like what Jim Morris said: playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah, playoffs.
0: Playoffs. <laughs> that being said, I uh, yeah, I think number two is way too low. the. As far as Super Bowl, the one thing I'll throw out, and this probably won't change until they prove me wrong, With as long as Marvin Lewis is the head coach who, you know, is 0-7, whatever, in playoff games, it's very hard to assume they're going to be anywhere near playoff yeah. as long as he's there. The one exception, I think, was in 2015 that the team was just so good with all the assistant coaches they had. Everything was clicking. Eifert was healthy. You know, Hugh Jackson was running a very good uh, – Offense, the defense, yeah, every everything was kind of clicking off until Dalton got hurt. Yeah, they looked like a team that would, you know, they were they were beating good teams, they were beating up on bad teams. They were, yeah, they were ten and two, and Dalton went down. Yeah, Marvin Lewis could not do enough to slow that down. I mean, that train, you know, that CSX intermodal train was going down the track, and no matter. How hard Lewis was grabbing the back of it, you know, grabbing that end of train signal and had his feet, you know, bumping on the railroad ties, trying to stop that thing. He just could not get that train stopped. And no granted, when that train's not moving. So a lot easier. So, you know, if, if we see from Terrell Austin and we see, you know, okay, this offensive coordinator now has a whole year to run, you know, the offense kind of get things lined up, you know, you've replaced some of the holes at center at left tackle, you kind of get some of these things fixed, uh, you could, I think, you could possibly get to a point where they're just so good they can overcome the Marvin Lewis factor. I mean, <laughs> early, so that's very optimistic. That's, I,
1: I'm laughing because it's just such a great, like, oh, the team is so good they can overcome their own head coach. It's just like such a funny thought if you if you actually break it down and
0: think. But about essentially, it. that's what they have to do. What they did in right, 2015, right, where you you know, right. I first stays healthy the whole year, you fix the line, and you get to a point where. We are just so good that Marvin, that not even Marvin Lewis can slow us down. You know, like he, just
1: get out, get out of your own way. Don't even bother. Just let the guys do their thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and where he's basically on the track and the train just goes, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Not something he's going to derail it. He's just going to, you know, uh, get picked up by the cow catcher, and you know, those. Kind of, <laughs> now, if no one knows anything about trains, and just re- disregard everything I said. Just the main point was, yeah, if they are, if they can get to a point where they're good enough to overcome Lewis, otherwise. Super Bowl, I think, is a bit. Oh, well, I, I think we understood the visual.
1: We understood <laughs> the visual. I, I think we got it. I, if anyone who's watched any kind of Looney Tunes or whatever knows the the, the visual you're kind of talking about there, but um, yeah, I, too early for you know. And I, 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 guess, I it's better that this team is underrated rather than overrated going into this season. So there's that. I think a major, major – Just again, we'll readdress this question maybe more in August, but a major factor has to be health, especially on offense, and it has to be the offensive line. I mean, that just – it is what it is. They've got talent in other spots. They kind of reloaded some other spots. Um, you know, it, I think there are uh, – the, the, the problem with this 2018 team is there are major ifs. You know, it's it's John Ross, it's Tyler Eifert, it's the offensive line. It's, uh, you know, can can some of the aging guys on the defensive line, Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, continue their production, or can Michael John? You know, some people laugh at the Michael Johnson production thing, but can they keep that up? Uh, I mean, we're talking about guys now who are entering their ninth and tenth season, uh, depending on which guy you're talking about. Um, so. Can they keep up some of the production that they've been giving the defense? And can some of these young guys fill in for Vontez Perfect? Will Vontez Perfect even play the entire 12 games that he's slated to play because he battles injuries? So there's a lot of ifs. But I think if the ifs all fall in line and they do fall into an area of like, wow, that John Ross works out. Eifert stays healthy. Perfect place, twelve games. It is awesome. Geno Atkins continues to be Geno Atkins, and so does Carlos Dunlap. Guys like Sam Hubbard and Carl Lawson and all that help out the pass rush. A guy like Jesse Bates can turn the ball over in nickel packages. All of a sudden, you're looking at this. Is a, it's a good team, you know. Joe Mixon takes a step in, in year two. Geo does Geo things. Um, you know, this, this it's a pretty good team. It's just it's it's it. There are a lot of a lot of puzzle pieces that need to come together in order for this team to even be talking about playoffs, Bowl, anything like that. And if it does awesome. Unfortunately, this team is just not always the team that gets the best draw of things, the best luck. Uh, So we'll see. We'll, we'll maintain positivity though. I'm going to tie two questions in together, Scott, so we can get out of here, but I think they are somewhat interrelated. Uh, Dean Burke in the YouTube chat says, basically asked about Marvin and uh, playing rookies. Um, He does say excluding Price, but playing rookies, I think Price is a necessity there. Um, So playing rookies, do you think he's going to be willing to do that? And then kind of a, 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 a piggyback on that, and it's from Austin Tran, about Frank Pollock's development of the offensive line. Obviously, Billy Price plays into that. So uh, if you can kind of maybe tie those in together in a nice, neat ribbon, nice, neat bow, uh, that would be great. And uh, I, I I don't really know what I think about these two, so that's why I'm letting you bet lead off on this
0: one. Let's see. I would say as far as playing rookies, I mean, Marvin is still Marvin. I know um, even if they've hinted it, maybe they're going to play rookies more. It's one of those things that, yeah, he says a lot of things. I mean – Last year, they were saying some things before the season. Two, they were saying uh, Cedric boy he could play offensive line. They were saying uh, Bodine was a good center. They were, you know, they were saying we're going to ch- every year. You kind of hear, you know, we're going to change things. We're going to change things. We're going to do things different. This offense is going to be more dynamic, or we're going to, you know, run the ball more, and then they get three yards to carry. And you know, until he shows it, I just I think after 16 years or whatever it's been. I think it's very hard to believe Marvin Lewis is suddenly going to play rookies. So outside necessity, which I think right now is Frank or Billy price. I think everybody else is more, uh, rotational at this point where the first half of the year, you know, you'll see them kind of rotate in and out occasionally. And then maybe the second half of the year you see, you know, where maybe they start getting a third, of the snaps defensively, uh, in addition to special teams play, if they do more than that, that'd be really cool. I, Surprised as far as the development of the offensive line. The biggest thing I want to see is that I'm very curious who they start at right guard and right tackle, because obviously with Alexander there, you knew it was going to be Bodine at center forever. They were probably going to keep throwing Obwehi out there with him gone. They obviously upgraded left tackle with uh, Cordy Glenn, who they traded for. They still have uh, Clint Bowling at left guard you have a new center, but then right guard, you kind of have a three headed race with uh, Trey Hopkins who started there most of last year, Westerman and Redman who rotated the last two games at right guard. I think Westman started two games and then, or I think it rotated left guard and then Redman came in as a backup. So I think those two, those three are probably competing for that one right guard spot. So it'd be very interesting to see how that shakes out. And to see if maybe one of those guys is ends up being really great. And it's another Evan Mathis, Nate Livingston thing where we're like, man, <laughs> that guy's so good. Why did we leave him on the bench for so long? And then right tackle right tackle right now is a very interesting thing because it's just, you know, it's almost like which guy's the least worst <laughs> because you have a way he was, you know, we've, I think everyone who's done anything media wise has beat up on him. So yeah, he's, we, we know his story. He, he, struggling in college, Struggled at right tackle in 2016, Struggled at left tackle in 2017. He'll probably get a chance if he uh, isn't cut before the end of the year or before, you know, the season starts. I think he will get a chance. I'd be surprised if he gets it. But then you look at the competition, you're like, well, maybe he has a really good chance because you have Jake Fisher, who unfortunately hasn't been much better, although he did have the uh, heart dysrhythmia. So you kind of hope, you know, maybe – that was holding him back. And now that he's fully healthy, maybe he ha- he's rejuvenated. He has, you know, the heart. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know how, you know, a heart, uh, an irregular heartbeat affects him. Uh, if that takes away strength or blood, whatever. But now if he's fully healthy, he's in the competition, but then you have to figure, well, would this come back? Could this be a setback? Could he have a complication from it? So he's kind of in the mix. He might be the leading guy, but there's a huge question with him medically. Yeah, Bobby Hart, who's in the mix, who looked when he was signed as just like an insurance guy until they get the right tackle in the draft, then they use 11 picks and they don't take a left tackle. It's like, I guess this guy's in the mix now. And and he was a guy that, you know, was not very good with the Giants. They ended up cutting him. There were some rumors he kind of quit on the team and just struggled and was not, I think, pro football focus for whatever it's worth rated him 78th out of 83 right tackles last year or tackles last year. So has never shown any ability. And then you have Kent Perkins, who's kind of this odd man out who I think might be in a fan favorite just because he was an undrafted guy. He looked good in very limited snaps last year in preseason. So at this point, you know, any one of those guys, you know, it's not like we have Willie Anderson (laughs) sitting there. It's kind of like, I, I don't know. So with the, Frank, I guess, long story short, with Frank Pollock, I'm just very curious to see how that shakes out. You know, which of these three guys who all look like they could be qualified at right guard, which of them turns out to be the guy? And then at right tackle from this mix of, you know, question mark upon question mark of unproven, of guys who have struggled, can he manage to turn one of them into a solid, decent right tackle? Or maybe that right tackle's on another team right now, and we're going to grab them on cut down day. I'd yeah,
1: be- yeah. There, there are the post June 1st cuts, and then I, the Bengals have made the occasional move after final cuts. Uh, you know, th- there are some surprising final cuts from teams, and they, you know, Brandon Tate was a guy that they picked up on that regard. They've made some offseason trades in the past, whether it's for. Cordy Glenn or Kelly Jennings or Reggie Nelson or who, what have you. I mean, they've, they've made a number of trades before so that, you know, that's an option as well. Um, I I do want to say you mentioned Bobby Hart. What's interesting. If you look at Bengals.com and the roster, they have him as a guard slash tackle. So, uh, he was never a guard, at least to my knowledge with the giants. So pretty interesting that they have him as kind of a swing guy. I, I think, if Frank Paula can get something uh, even remotely looking at solid to above average starter out of Jake Fisher or Cedric Abwehi, I think, but I think getting it out of both is at this point, it's not going to happen. If he can get one of them to be an above average or, you know, slightly above average starter uh, at right tackle, I think that that is a, that would be a major feather in his cap. It sounds like based on all of the guys that, are working on the offensive line. They they really like what they see out of Frank Pollock. I think Billy Price has is a shoe in for center position unless he's not healthy. Um, unless that injury just does not heal correctly, then the Bengals have some major decisions to do there. But you know, I think uh, he is making a major impact on that. And this is this goes back to what I was talking about with maybe a little bit of a lack of love from the national media in that, you know, it isn't all about the draft picks. It isn't all about the off season acquisitions from, from a personnel standpoint. Yes. That's obviously all of it. Or it's, it's a good portion of it, but you have to look at coaching changes. And I think maybe why they're not so keen on the Bengals is because Marvin Lewis is back, but under him, you mentioned Ter- Terrell Austin, defensive coordinator. He's a guy that's a hot name. He had head coaching consideration going into this offseason. Um, you know, the Bengals bring in different secondary coaches. They bring in a new offensive line coach and Frank Pollock. Um, so, you know, they've made changes, and sometimes the coaching changes make all the difference, uh, and we'll see. I, I'm i going to give you my and – we're going to get out of here in just a second here, Scott – I'm going to give you my prediction as to the, and again, we're in freaking mid-May, but I'm going to give you my starting five offensive linemen as we sit here today on Wednesday evening, May 16th, and, you know, you can download the show later. Uh, It might not be May 16th when you listen to this program, but I have, obviously, Cordy Glenn at left tackle, Clint Bowling, left guard, Billy Price, center, I have Christian Westerman at right guard and I have uh, Jake Fisher as a starting right tackle. Um, I don't know if you differ from me, but that's, that's kind of what I have. I have Cedric Abuehi being a swing backup at left tackle and right tackle. And I have Bobby Hart being a swing backup at guard and right tackle um, and then, you know, maybe either TJ Johnson or this young, the, the, the gentleman we talked about earlier from Oklahoma State is maybe the swing center, guard backup type of guy. But I, I that's who I have as the starting five.
0: That seems, I think that's generally the consensus. There's actually a post on Cincy Jungle uh, that I think, I, yeah, I was going to say I think I wrote, but yeah, I know I, know I wrote it. I think <laughs> it came out today, is what I was trying to think. You sure. Actually, you sure? <laughs> Pretty sure. Although they always get edited. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess my English isn't good or enough for something. They usually get tweaked in you know, different titles. Whatever. Anyway.
1: Mino um, speak English. That's impossible? Yeah. <laughs> for you Simpson fans out there, that was the Simpsons line. Anyway, go ahead. So
0: anyway, and it, it goes over the offensive linemen and it goes over every player. What are their odds of starting, you know, who who are the starting guys going to be at the end of this. So if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you have not gone to the site, feel free to go to the site. I think you can find a link to that article on my Twitter, even though I don't send – I think it just goes automatically because I don't actually tweet or whatever uh, regularly. But anyway, uh, at the bottom is a poll, and you can vote who is going to be the right tackle this year. And the consensus, uh, two-thirds was Jake Fisher. Mm -hmm. He is by far the big winner. I will point out uh, Perkins and Bobby Hart are both around 10 12% other. And there's not really an other on the team right now. Other got twice as many, over twice as many votes as a boy. He has interesting so it kind of tells you what team, what fans think of a boy.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and there was another, another post on uh since jungle.com, you know, or I, I can't remember if it was since jungle or another site, but it was talking about, you know, the validity of trading Cedric He this off season. And then, you know, I just, I don't see it. You're not going to get much in return and, I mean, at least, you know, even if he doesn't prove to be an improved player this offseason, at a minimum, you have a former first-round pick who's going to be, you know, a backup, a guy that you can plug in for a couple of games if you need to and that sort of thing. But, right, you know, it's so funny. From center to left tackle, it's like basically in cement at this point, especially now that the draft's done. It's that right side that's that's very strange, and you know the Bengals drafted uh, a, a, an offensive lineman in their in the seventh round. I um, I don't think he has the ability to, to crack the starting lineup, but that's that's me. Um, you know, I, I, at least not in twenty eighteen. I think that that is maybe something that could be a possibility down the road. Uh, I just. And this kind of goes back into the question, I I didn't really address this, but this kind of goes back into the question of Marvin Lewis playing, you know, uh, young guys and um, all of that. I I just, you know, I just, uh, I, I think the Bengals have a pretty good idea as to what they're going to do on the offensive line and and it could change. Yeah. Rod Taylor is the gentleman I'm thinking of the seventh round pick offensive guard. Um, You know, the Bengals have a pretty good idea as to what they're going to do, especially with those three positions. It's just, you know, are they going to let him duke it out? And I I would prefer to see Westerman. I think Westerman has much more upside than, than others um, at at the guard spot, but we'll see. And uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to you know, I, I'd like to see either Fisher or Abuhee um turn their careers around and, and potentially get become starting guys, but I think it's gonna be one or the other, not both. That's just you know, I don't I don't I don't see them doing much of anything. And I think, you know, if if like I said, if Frank Pollock can do something and, and get something out of those guys, I think that's a big feather in his cap and a and will be a big key for the Bengals in twenty eighteen. Scott, any final yeah. thoughts?
0: Yes, one thing I just wanted to throw this out or offer this up while we're talking about Frank Pollock and offensive line, because I know a lot of folks are talking about how great you know, the Cowboys line was. He was a Cowboys offensive line coach. So he is clearly, you know, the the godsend of offensive line coaches. He's going to come here and the Bengals are going to go from horrible to great. One thing I just want to throw out as a word of, I don't know, precaution or just something. I was kind of thinking actually, I looked into it and I'm like, well, you know, before we get a little too excited, <laughs> if you look at the Cowboys offensive line, Tyron Smith was already there. Uh, Pollock became their offensive line coach in 2015. You know, Tyron Smith, the left tackle, was already an all-pro by that point. He had been in the, with the Cowboys four years, was a two-time pro bowler, already a all-pro. Travis Frederick was already there two years, already a pro bowler. Zach Martin had already been there, had already been named all-pro. Uh the only starter was really Leo Collins who was drafted, or I guess he joined them. Uh he wasn't drafted. he was supposed to have been drafted. He was, you know, first round prospect yeah, that fell that that
1: was yeah, that whole thing was like, What?
0: So they kind of and I don't know why no one drafted this kid. But uh that being said, you you know the line he pretty much had an awesome line when he stepped in there. It wasn't like he came in and he said, Ooh, get that Frederick guy or let's get the you know, He was basically, uh, you know, he walked into a situation that had a great line, you know, with great people who were already there, who are already playing at a very high level. Uh, So I just, you know, want to make sure we keep that in mind and just uh, don't assume that because he stepped into a great situation that he's going to step into a situation in Cincy, which was anything but great last year, and then instantly turn it around. So
1: yeah, I, I think I think we have to exercise caution about uh, all of that. But I, I, you know, and again, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff that um, you know, you're you're right. But I will say he was he, uh, he he was the offensive line coach from 15 to 17. He was the assistant offensive line coach from 13 to 14 with the Cowboys. Um, so, I mean, he, he does have some experience there and, and I think, you know, whether it's assistant level or not, that, that's something to note, but I, yeah, I, I think we got to exercise caution and, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that Pollock's going to be this miracle worker on the offensive line. He very well could be. And, and what we're hearing from Bengals offensive line players, you know, it sounds like they are receptive to what he's doing and he is doing things in a much different way than Paul Alexander, which, you know, Paul Alexander had his good his strong points as a coach i've mentioned it on this program that you know i have i have a contact who is a college football coach and paul alexander in terms of offensive line coaching is one of the most highly regarded coaches at that rank uh across the country and people travel across the country to go to go hear him speak at public things about coaching and and all of that but he was with the team for almost three decades and who knows? Maybe things got a little stale and uh, change for the sake of change is good. And, you know, I think Pollock, for the most part, is is bringing a nice change to the Bengals and, and their offensive line. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It seems Smart is a show about people doing things that